Ahoy, you're listening to Diffuse Tap with Kenny Estes and Isla Krem. Today, we're joined by Manuela Seve, CEO and co-founder of Alpha, that's A-L-P-H-A-A.io. We'll be talking about whether consumer good companies are still looking to adopt blockchain, how sports organizations are tokenizing to engage fans, and how companies like Alpha are helping Olympic teams nurture their fan base. Enjoy. All right, everybody has zoomed back in. I uh, hope you had good conversations. Um, if this is your first time here, you might be confused as to what's going on. So here's what's on tap. This is a weekly event. This is the 190th time we have done it, which is uh, many years at this point. We're going to briefly talk about Diffuse Tap, where you are right now. We're going to talk about Diffuse Funds, the company kind of putting this together. We're going to do a 15-minute fireside chat with Miss Seve, and then we're going to do two more rounds of tap rooms, kind of like what you just experienced, because this is mostly networking. So 45 minutes of every hour together is small group networking of four, five, six people um, with other alternative investors. Most of the audience has a slant towards digital assets, but certainly uh, interests larger than that as well. We do want you to learn a little bit, which is why we have Manuela coming on here today. If you like this sort of thing, uh, in late January, um, we are doing an in-person Diffuse tab hosted by Ms. Coots, who many of you know. Actually, Isla, do we have a date on that yet? And you are muted, by the by. 31st of uh, January. And we literally just got the venue a few hours ago. So the next newsletter on Thursday will have the venue in it as well. All right. 31st of Jan. So details coming. Try to mark your calendar if you're in the area. Diffuse Funds, we are an alternative fund platform, so we try to find interesting, high-alpha, boutique investment strategies. Um, the big push right now is our Diffuse Digital 30 product, which is a market-cap-weighted index fund of the top 30 cryptocurrencies. Uh, it is publicly listed, so hit us up if you want to learn more about that, especially in light of the recent Bitcoin spot ETF approval. But that's enough about us. The woman of the hour, Manuela Seve. Would you like to unmute yourself? Well, I thank you for joining us. You want to unmute yourself, introduce yourself, a little bit of background and what you're up to over at Alpha. For sure, for sure. So thank you so much for having me, Kenny and, and Isla. Uh, I'm I'm really impressed by the amount of people that are on the Zoom. I guess the, the bull market is back for sure. Uh, and um, yeah, so my name's Manu. I started my career in finance and um, the first version of the first company I founded was really focused in bringing more opportunity into the creative economy. And that's kind of like the 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 framework that we we were in when I discovered blockchain in 2015. So when I picked up Blockchain for Dummies, which was maybe the first book ever written on blockchain, it was a Microsoft book about Hyperledger, chain that you know nobody doesn't even exist anymore. Um, I knew that you know the technology was going to change the way that we did everything, and that was kind of like one of those like aha moments. And so uh, we firstly started developing blockchain solutions for our art licensing business, um, and then uh, we knew that that API would would power some beautiful kind of like community management tools, which is what we did in the beginning of 2021. We spun off that API and we put up a new company called Alpha.io. So what Alpha.io does is we connect people, content, and experiences uh, through a, you know, maybe the best software in the world to onboard from literally everywhere. Uh, our clients uh, encompass companies like 
beverage companies, which is kind of like our sweet spot, sports teams, uh, big communities with cult-like followings. But the cool thing is, for for example, for our beverage companies, this is one of our clients. It's a company called Apewater. There's a QR code here on the side. And that QR code no longer just leads to a website where, you know, you'd actually have to use some sort of scrubber, pull the third-party data, figure out where that person's come from, go through social media or whatever it is to kind of like have a very small conversion. We can actually gate access to point systems. So most of our brands have point systems for Ape Water. It's uh, Bananas, for example, for Saperi, which is a champagne company. It's Bubbles uh, for sports teams. It could be footballs, whatever it is that we want to call them. But we require the user to put in a phone number or an email and we create custodial wallets uh, where, you know, they can immediately start gaining points for different actions, how they connect with the brands. Uh, we do a lot of scavenger hunts so we can drive physical traffic to different locations. Uh, we just did a big one for Art Basel, Miami, where we had 25,000 people play our game uh, during the week and uh, they work in the same way. You find either an alpha QR code or a tap of one FC. And this way we can either give them points and know where they were physically during those scavenger hunts or immediately create uh, a Web3 wallet when they scan that QR code and put in their phone number or their email. And that becomes their unique identifier within the community. So think of us as like a punch card that the user never loses and uh, it never expires. And it really becomes kind of like their DNA within that ecosystem. Super cool. Um, all right, well, let's kind of just get a lay of the land. Um, Circa 2020, I heard a lot about corporations doing partnerships for web3 and blockchain it was all the rage and then there was about uh you know three years of silence on that front so how engaged are corporations in blockchain now is that still down is it coming back are they doing new initiatives where are we at so the cool thing was 2018 was a real bear market right like we like all the interests like just literally disappeared Last year, what we saw was the opposite. We saw that companies were still very much interested in exploring new solutions. They understand that there is a data issue and they started to understand that, you know, moving into blockchain also meant moving into first party data, which kind of like is a, is a transformational factor there because they can decouple from social media. They can decouple from purchase databases, all of that, which has really low convergence and actually start building their own ecosystems. So we have had conversations with like, so many Fortune 50 companies, so many Fortune 500 companies, and you know, a lot of them are either already deploying solutions, doing small MVPs, or are definitely very interested in kind of like researching the best avenue forward. And that's really across the board. We have a fashion partner which uh, does all of, all of our fashion activations. And last year we were the tech partner for New York Fashion Week, for Hamptons Fashion Week, and uh, New York Fashion Week was so happy that they actually like tripled our budget for this year. So there's definitely kind of like that that exploratory moment in the market where people are interested they want to understand how to start migrating their data sets they want to integrate single login the sports teams are all talking about it like they may have not deployed large things but this year we're going to see a lot of sports activations uh, including, you know, we're in the process of getting something ready for the U.S. Olympic breakdancing team, which is going to be pretty cool. Uh, it's also going to be a scavenger hunt, and we're doing it across uh, um, a very well-known festival. Can't name names just yet. Burning yeah. Man. <laughs> Definitely not Burning Man. All Definitely right. not Burning Man. But we do work with a lot of Burning Man artists from kind of like our past life. But the cool thing is, 
Let's say, for example, like, you know, in one of these scavenger hunts, uh, you could collect an athlete card, right? So you collect an athlete card, which is a 2D asset drawn by an artist, and that is connected to that athlete for free. But from within the athlete card, we can put up a paywall that separates augmented reality content. And that could be like an enhanced experience. It could be a dance lesson by the break dancer. It could actually be a fashion collab where you can purchase the digital version of that uh, outfit. And that can then be produced, made to order for you. So, you know, we really kind of like love the model of deploying uh, free NFCs that can be grabbed for, by anyone. But this way we have data on who that user is, where they're interacted with the problem, pro with the product, different kind of like heat map analysis. And then from there, we can expand the experience because they're already in the ecosystem. Makes sense. Uh, and actually, Anthony uh, figured out what my next question was going to be. So we'll give him credit. The users... In my experience, most retail folks and people that are supporting the Olympic break dancing team probably aren't the most blockchain savvy. Are they interfacing with you through MetaMask? Like, what does their actual experience look like? No, we exist because I've always hated Web3 wallets, actually. Like, from the beginning, we were always a custodial solution. Uh, we do have kind of like an off-ramp feature if they want to take their private keys and offload all of their, you know, stuff into a MetaMask. But for us... We're more kind of like a more of a, a hide the tech kind of company. Everything is on chain and it, it, it's, it's supposed to be on chain because that will lead to the best possible interaction. It will also lead to kind of like that data, you know, being connected to that user. But for the end user, it really doesn't matter. All it matters to them is I want to scan this QR code and I want to get something cool. I want my prizes and I want my free stuff. And so the gamification element is kind of like key here. But if it is on chain or if it isn't on chain, what we found is it really doesn't matter to the end user. And it could actually be detrimental to say that it's an NFT. So we started using different terms like digital collectible, commemorative, whatever. But we really don't want to be associated with kind of like a purchased NFT on OpenSea, which is how the term NFT kind of like still resonates to the, to, you know, mm. the mass. Okay, that makes sense. Uh, so there's a lot of crypto purists in the audience. So I'll ask the obvious question. Uh, if you're controlling it, the users and have direct access to their NFT, whatever, uh, memorabilia. They do. Though. What's the advantage of being on blockchain if you don't uh, have it? Full, the user has full access to his NFT. And when you go into any said thing that you've collected, you will see the, the Block Explorer address. Most of this is, is on ETH. And as mm -hmm. I said, we do have an off-ramp option if they do want to move all of their assets into a MetaMask per se. But the advantages are nameless, right? Firstly, all of our smart contracts are fully dynamic, which means that just by holding one of those NFTs, the brand itself can conduct all of these metadata changes and I will receive a notification. And now I can communicate directly with that user in kind of like perpetuity. Then the uh, more, more advantages, like for beverage companies, you would have to card a user every time that they walk into a location, right? The NFT actually bypasses that and it becomes their, their age gating off off the front end and it empowers beverage companies to actually launch d2c which in america is not possible unless you have some sort of system to actually vet that or a retailer etc attached to that i could go on and on and on there's like a, a million different advantages and they mm -hmm. are kind of like very much specific to the different verticals but uh, you know, think of it as well as even though you are within that that company's ecosystem, your your tokens are all fully decentralized and you can do with them as you see, please. But but what we have found is the benefits of the UX and the UI of being in a somewhat kind of like 
I wouldn't call it centralized because it is fully decentralized, but in a somewhat kind of like organized way of consuming information or that much larger that we have seen maybe not even 1% of our users offload anything into a MetaMask. Gotcha. Okay, that makes sense. So then I guess that kind of precludes the next couple questions from both Landon and Lane, both around secondary trading. You mentioned OpenSea. A lot of that is people just straight up speculating and hoping it goes up and riding it up and down. How much of that, how much of a secondary market is there for this stuff? And how much of it is just direct corporate engagement type play? So I feel like the secondary market will develop once kind of like the, the communities go into phase two, right? And especially with kind of like the, we have some projects coming in with major leagues, let's put it that way. And that those major leagues also include play RIP that will be brought on chain and they will once again be free to claim once if you're in a specific location and you're part of a scavenger hunt, et cetera, but have huge collectible value, right? And so our idea is basically launch with more direct directives that come from those communities. And then in phase two, which I feel like this year, we're already going to start seeing a lot of, of, of movement in, in secondaries allow for trade. And, uh, you know, we have all those systems built built in because that's kind of like all we built for the art platform at the time. The art platform was fully on chain. It was attached to physical art items and they could all be traded, sold in fiat. I have a bunch of questions here in direct about payment. So kind of like I, mm -hmm. I want to talk a little bit about that. Please. So we're we've we've always been priced in fiat. We've always accepted all major credit cards through Stripe, PayPal. Uh, we have but a bunch of blockchain integrations coming in uh, and those blockchain integrations can either be for payments with via USDC fully cross chain. And we have a number of partners that are kind of like helping that make make it possible. But uh, the other cool thing is we can already set uh, a cost structure per asset. So, for example, we have a project that we we have these digital girls, right? And uh, these digital girls are shot in AR. So they may have like a, a cost of, I don't know, $1,000, $2,000, whatever it is per asset. So we can set that cost structure per asset. And then we can have a smart contract that will automatically distribute royalties once that cost structure is set in USDC in independent wallets. So let's say we're paying back 80% to a creator and only holding 20% in escrow will only be liable tax wise to the, that 20% since that 80% actually never went into a US bank account. So that really diminishes kind of like the, the the issues in tax liability for even like marketplace take rates ratios. Okay, that makes um that makes actually quite a lot of sense. Uh there's a lot of good reasons in there. So, I guess given where you're positioning, kind of what's the long-term strategy for the business? Like are you expecting to be acquired by one of your customers or kind of who would be a potential we're, we're launching a token this year. Uh, okay. That's kind of like the, the big one. And we're probably going to IPO at some point after that. Like, no, we're probably going to acquire some of our competitors. That's kind okay. of like where, where we're seeing the long-term view. But the token's really cool because it not only gives um, people access to a unified alpha point system that connects to all of our different corporate brands. So right now we have over 32 brands and growing. We added 10 brands in the past 30 days. We're probably going to add 20 in the next like you know 60 days like it's been really really crazy there's a lot of interest in kind of like gamifying ecosystems launching scavenger hunts uh and this way we can also launch a unified redemption marketplace then the second utility of the token and this is going to be exclusive to the new offshore vehicle that we're putting together mm -hmm. is what we have found through our campaigns is there is a massive disconnect between sponsorship dollars 
and actual events, right? There's tiny companies that are really looking to kind of like get smaller listings and there's large small sponsorship blocks. So what we're starting to do is actually tokenize these large sponsorship blocks and have access to them by the, for the smaller brands through our scavenger hunts. And so the token will have kind of like right of first refusal and all of those different sponsorship blocks and a lot more. Sorry, I didn't As quite there's understand. A lot of private, the there's a lot of private questions. So, you know, maybe let me let me take a, sure. a look at the private questions. But if you have a question, please send it to like the general group as well. And I also dropped my email in there. So if I don't get to the private questions, send me an email. Love to chat with any and all of you. But okay, thinking of common smart contracts and common payment structure to limit for 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 an exchange fluctuations, a thousand percent. Have you checked for patents in your space? Yes, and we're actually kind of like in the process of patenting the scavenger hunt. We have a big actual game partnership coming that I can't announce just yet, but it will really change the way that we think of smart cities in terms of kind of like check-in locations and, you know, how we can connect to local businesses and drive traffic to mom and pop stores that maybe need a little bit of extra help. And now mem members have daily conversion value to fiat of their domicile if they wish. This should help with regulatory issues for tax reporting and starting the, uh, a thousand percent. The idea is they can attach their own point systems to their whatever fiat that they're in, right? Whatever country that they're in. And that's kind of like going to be a huge role of the, the, the Alphio unified point system where you can actually go ahead then and have a convergence rate, which could value on a daily basis. So it's almost like we're launching sub little tokens of all of the brands that are on alpha, but with no SEC liability, right? Because it's a hundred percent utility or access to redemption or prizes or, or all of those cool things. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. You get the little mini tokens um, on a per brand base, but then obviously the larger token kind of brings it all together. Interesting model. How are you structured? So what what chain are you on? Um, are you on Ethereum? Uh, how do people interact on, on chain itself? For sure. We're cross-chain. Uh, we launched on uh, EOS. That was our first investor in 2018. Then mm -hmm. we migrated to Wax. That's kind of like how we started building custodial wallets because they didn't have a wallet. <laughs> and we always wanted to be on Fiat. Then we did a little bit of Polygon. So that's also fully into integrated. And then we were like, actually, we want to be on proper Ethereum. We want to have traditional ERC-721s. But at the same time, we want to make sure that, you know, the infrastructure costs for our clients are not, you know, crazy. So right now we're on Lightlink, which is a real ETH sidechain. So same ERC-721, same smart contract structure, but very cost-effective mints. And anything that is a value, like for point systems, et cetera, that makes a lot of sense, right? And anything that is a value, we can immediately bridge over to the mainnet with, you know, the exact same smart contract. Oh, interesting. Okay. So you do, you are really using it like a, almost like a pure layer two where you can do the settlement on, on Ethereum itself as needed. Yeah. Exactly. Totally makes sense. Yeah. Um, now being centralized makes sense. There you go. Jonathan else uh, giving you a, a, vote, a vote of confidence. We are now up at the half hour. So we're going to pop into another round of tap rooms. Manu, um, we always ask the same question in between tap rooms of you, which is to tell us the future. What's coming down the pipe? What are you excited for? But uh, first, tap rooms. So Networking, not pitch, or networking, not pitching. Please be kind to one another. Uh, we don't do a full participant list for privacy reasons. Uh, we don't send it out. So swap details with anybody you want to connect with, or join the Telegram group. It's great for networking and just kind of keeping track of what everybody's up to. Uh, generally, you introduce yourself for about thirty seconds, and then you discuss the topic. Not required by any stretch of the imagination, but the topic, Isla, is what. 
What is a brand where you would be game to participate in a loyalty token type of system? What is a big brand, small brand? Could be diffuse, just saying. Uh, what is a brand you would want to participate in? Um, I'll pop you into rooms now, and we shall have you back here in 10 minutes. All right. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back. Manu, as promised, please unmute yourself and tell us the future. The future. Okay. I'm going to talk about efficiency then, because that's a big one for us, right? I was literally just telling them that, you know, something cool that we're doing in the fashion industry is, is using fidgetals as a tool to invert production models and also to kind of like attach user loyalty uh, and a lot more into it. So in fashion, we're now able to actually launch entire lines, which look exactly like they will through augmented reality. So through volumetric capture, that actually captures the materials, actually captures the shape, can be made to order. And the cool thing is it's not only about ordering that piece of clothing or merch or whatever it is, that piece of clothing then becomes your unique identifier within that community. So it could become a ticket to play a scavenger hunt. It could become a ticket to actually go to a super VIP event. It could grant you access to special areas within stadium, for example, and it could load up all your loyalty just by tapping that item into you know, a, a check-in point or a, add a POS or whatever the thing is. So I'm really excited about uh, wearables. Uh, that's really interesting. Um, that and being able to see like you said, through augmented reality, certainly solve a problem I have where I buy stuff on Amazon and I have like a two foot tall bookcase for some reason. Uh, so you can mm -hmm. actually see in AR what it really looks like before you even buy it. That's kind of cool. And it, yeah, and it works not just for fashion, right? Like we're doing the same thing with design, as you said, design furniture mm -hmm. or literally anything. So what really kind of like gets me going when it comes to blockchain is the amount of inefficiencies. I'm an economist, by the way, that's kind of like my past life and game theory was always kind of like my always my bread and butter, hence why we gamify everything. But think of all the inefficiencies that we'll be able to solve, right? Not just uh, not just in fashion, which produces 10 million tons of waste in a given year. But in recycling, we'll actually be able to recycle things and know the life cycle of a product. And we can have different incentives built into there. We, you know, as a company, I feel like the technology that we're putting into the world is so powerful and can really, you know, create these cult-like following communities that will be married to these brands in perpetuity, that we have been very selective on how we take on clients. Unless the client has a super strong kind of like ESG angle attached to it, if they're, you know, like, I, I'm not going to name the name of the brand, but we have said no to <laughs> a massive corporation that produces a lot of plastic and a lot of sugar because we didn't want to expand that further. You know, and hence that's kind of like our social responsibility as change makers and as futurists, because everyone here in this call is a change maker and a futurist, better use of our resources. I love it. I love it. Hi, uh, Ms. Isla. Do we kill, uh, fill enough air for you to shuffle breakout rooms, chat rooms? Dang it. Yeah, Brian. we sure did. And I'm going to pop you back into rooms now. And the question is, what is a habit that you'd like to change by gamifying something? An interaction with an yeah. app? Uh, already already gave some tips on that one, Ella. Okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Sounds good. I'll, you'll be talking to each other about that. Uh, feel free to share. Overshare. Uh, All right. We're going to do a couple wrap-up items and get you out of here right at the top of the hour. But first, over to you, Manu. Plug your... Pluggables, where do you want people to go after they hear your wisdom? 
So firstly, this was an amazing room. Thank you so much for having me. And everyone here is so freaking knowledgeable, loved all the breakouts, would love to continue the conversation. I threw my email there in the chat. But if, you know, if anybody needs to, to find me or follow like what we're doing next, we're very active on Instagram. Ironically, not Twitter. I know people are like, really? where's your Twitter following? I was like, I hate Twitter. But so I'll drop my my personal Instagram and the company Instagram here as well. We're also very present on LinkedIn. We're constantly, you know, putting out different case studies. Our website has a whole bunch of case studies, which is very atypical for Web3, I know. So if you want to check out a few of the kind of like the different things that we've done for brands, I'm throwing it in there too. And for anybody who's listening uh, after the fact, it's alpha.io, A-L-P-H-A-A.io forward slash brands would be the best place to go or alpha.io or at alpha.io on Insta. Alpha-A.io, very important, two A's. Alpha-A.io. Mm-hmm. All right, makes sense. Uh, cool, a couple wrap-up items on our end then, if I can find the right slide. There you go. Uh, we mentioned at the top, this is a weekly event, so in just shy seven days, we'll do it again, talking about who decides which coin is a security from a regulatory perspective. Uh, January 31st, Chicago, Gabby is hosting an in-person version of Diffuse Tap. Come along, meet some folks, have a drink, um, socialize a smidge. Uh, a lot of the same people you'll see in the audience right now, but, you know, in person. Telegram, join it, say hey, tell us what you're up to, tell us interesting interesting that's coming across your brain space. Um, and other than that, Isla, any talking points in particular? Can you, can you throw the link to the Telegram group in the thingy? Ooh. I want to join it, too. Yeah. We can do that. Uh, copy note. Whoop, clicked it. And then Isla's not saying anything. So I yep. think we're good on talking points. Manu, thank yeah. you so much for sharing your wisdom here today. Great conversation. The breakout rooms really vibed as well. You got people's uh, got people thinking, which is awesome. And thank you everybody else for being here. Um, the Telegram group chat is in the chat there. And uh, yeah, we'll see you in just less than uh, seven days. Have a good one, everybody. That's all, folks. Hope you learned something new. If you join us on Zoom every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Central, you can also network with other fascinating alternative investors from all over the world in small groups of four or five. Learn more on our website at www.diffusefunds.com. Until next time.